thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damian Kristoff. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. And today we thought we flipped things around. We got a very interesting topic today. Most of the time, we, when we talk about health and wellness, most of the time, I guess, was we talk about losing weight. That's where the focus typically, where, you know, where I guess people's brain goes to. But today, we're going to flip it on its head. And instead of talking about losing weight, we're actually going to be talking about how to gain weight. That's going to be pretty crazy. Why are we talking about this, guys? Well, we're going to talk about it because a lot of people ask us about, you know, oh, I, I eat so much and I still can't put on any weight or I exercise all the time, I can't put on any weight. Um, even from our own experiences, both Brett and I have experienced periods of time in our lives where we've lost weight and for no no wanted reason, it's just happened. So, you know, it's relevant to talk about that. Yeah, and, and it's actually pretty relevant for me right now because I have actually lost a bit of weight. So I've been through bit of a stressful period over the last month or two. Um, mm. Actually, went through a separation, which was pretty tough. And so probably had about three or four weeks of not eating a lot at all, not mm. sleeping a lot at all. Um, <laughs> and so have they sort of come out the other side of that. And, uh, and I think, you know, the thing we've always spoken about is that it's not about losing or gaining weight, really. It's about finding a healthy weight. And so it's about getting healthy, and that's what will allow your body to find your healthy weight. And so I'm probably a little bit below my healthy weight right now, although I think I'm starting to regain a little bit of that. But I thought, seem as though it's a, such a relevant topic right now, that'd be a cool one to talk about. For sure, for sure. So, Brett, what, what is your fighting weight? What's your ideal fighting weight? Well, the thing is, I don't really know, Damo. I, I don't actually weigh myself. I don't actually own a set of scales. Um, so I don't really know what my fighting weight is. Uh, but what I know is that, you know, there's a certain, I guess, way my body looks. There's a certain, you know, muscle mass that I have when I feel really good and I feel like I'm doing things right. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I kind of judge it more based on how I'm functioning, I guess, than what weight I am. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I know when I'm feeling good, I'm feeling strong, I'm feeling healthy. Um, and usually that means I'm, you know, looking good and, you know, stand in front of the mirror think, hey, that looks all right. And, uh, and I know that at the moment that that hasn't been how I've been feeling and hasn't how I've been... Uh, been looking so um you know I, I don't like to judge it on the scales i think scales and you know bmis and all of those sort of things are such arbitrary measures um that are really you know based on average not based on what's right for you um and so i don't think they're a very good way of judging it and so i don't use them mm. Fair it's, enough. it's interesting though isn't it like that's you know stress like obviously you've been under a lot of pressure over the last sort of couple of months and when you're under pressure and stress some people actually gain weight and mm. some people actually lose weight like you have. So, yeah. Damien, maybe you can, sort of ex- you know, because you're the resident, uh, f- I don't know, <laughs> smart man. Um, is, you know, <laughs> tell us a little bit why that happens. Like what happens to our body when we're under stress, the cortisol level goes up. Tell us, you know, what, what mechanism are actually happening to cause us to either gain weight or lose weight? Well, it's, there's a number of different mechanisms, LT and, and Bredo. Um, I'll just go back to this other thing um, regarding the scales. And I think it's important that everybody understands that you can measure whatever you want to measure as long as you measure at the same time. So mm-hmm. don't, you know, if you want to measure the scales, that's fine. But you know, if you want to measure BMI, okay. If you're going to measure belt size or if you look in the mirror, check to make sure, Bredo, maybe your mirror is broken. That could be the problem. <laughs> you, know, you, might, you might still be looking great, but might, maybe the mirror just needs replacing. Don't blame it on you yet. Um, but uh, you know, just make sure that you're measuring you, what you're measuring is consistent. So you're measuring the same time every single week and you know, it, whether it's a tape measure and you're pulling at the same 
you know, sort of tightness, make sure that you're measuring the same. That's what's most important because some people measure on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the fluctuations just do their head in. So just uh, try and be very consistent by doing it once a week and, you know, measure your change, track your change. The other one I'll mention, Domo, is probably the one that I probably would measure if I was going to measure any of them um, is hip-to-waist ratio. That seems to be the one that actually gives the best indication of kind of how you're doing from a health and wellness perspective. More from a cardiovascular Um, disease point of view, yeah. Yeah, so I I reckon, you know, if I was going to measure one, that's probably the one I'd measure, so I just thought I'd chuck that out there. Yeah, fair enough. Well chucked, well chucked. (laughs) Good work. So going back to LT's question, in terms of some of the chemical processes, there's quite a few. Um, Now, if we just bear in mind the normal natural process which takes place during stress or what actually happens in a stress event is that there's two major hormones that come into play and one of those is adrenaline, the other one's called cortisol and both of them have an effect on the body. Now, adrenaline has an immediate effect on the body which um, increases heart rate, respiration rate, um, it constricts the blood vessels, diverts blood away from the gut, moves blood to the muscles and to the brain and to the heart uh, and it moves blood away from digestion primarily just to... Um, to ensure that, oh, I just read that little sign. Sorry about that. A little, I just got thrown. Primarily to ensure that we can get away from predators. That's essentially the reason why we want to um, divert blood away from the gut. That's what adrenaline does for us. Now, the long-term effect of stress, and the, what we call, I suppose, chronic stress, is the secretion or the hypersecretion of cortisol. So when our cortisol levels rise too high, then we block the um, the, the utilization of various chemicals known as growth factors or growth hormones. And so some of those growth hormones or growth factors are insulin, others are human growth hormone. And and the challenge with that is that if depending on how far into stress we go will depend on, I suppose, what sort of response that we actually have. Now, if we've been abusing sugar for a long period of time, then we might find ourselves actually putting on weight. Uh, if we've been abusing other types of carbohydrates or we haven't had a whole lot of carbohydrate to actually store in our body, then we might rapidly lose a whole lot of fat and also lose a fair bit of muscle as a result of the stress and then the need by the body to get access to um, proteins for repair as well as carbohydrates or fuel. So a few things can take place, but we probably need to step it out a little bit. So why don't we just explore that for a little bit? Bretto, in the lead up to your stress, your diet was... Excellent, right? Yeah. Has your has your diet changed at all since you've uh, since you've gone through the stress? Well, yeah. This is the thing I was going to talk about. Actually, is the, I guess the other factor in it is uh, you know your emotional response to stress as well. Yeah. So you know, for some people, their emotional response to stress will be to binge eat and to sort yep. of to go and want to just eat whatever. Like I don't care. I'm just going to eat whatever, which which is fair enough. And uh, whereas I think my emotional response to the stress was that uh, well, one, I was feeling quite sick, so I didn't really feel like eating much at all. Um, and so my tendency was to just kind of lay on the couch and, and not eat and not, you know, so whilst what I was eating when I was eating was, was really healthy. Um, I just actually wasn't eating enough, uh, because I just sort of went into my little cave and, and hid away and couldn't be bothered doing anything. Um, and so I think that's, you know, there's those different, you know, physiological or or, sorry, different emotional responses people have to stress. Um, and so that was definitely mine. It, it was, I was still, well, probably if anything, I was cleaner in terms of what I was eating. Like I was just like 100%, you know, not wanting to put anything into my body that wasn't 100% right at that stage. Um, but definitely, um, you know, definitely not eating as much as I should be, pretty simply. 
It, did you say I suppose? Oh, sorry, LT, I think um, you might have been uh, on, on. You must have muted yourself, I LT. I did, I did. I didn't yeah. want you to hear my it's breathing brand, or anything. So. Nice so, breathing. Oh, listen, one of the things that I was going to ask you is because obviously you talked about eating. What about your exercise? Did you, you know, stop your exercise program or did you continue exercise? Did you actually go hard exercise because you were so stressed? Like, what, what No, happened? I think the first, the first few weeks I was exercising a lot less. Mm. Um, so definitely, um, yeah, I was just, you know, just not not fu- non-functioning basically like to be perfectly honest i was just battling and uh, and so i didn't feel like doing any of that so so i really wasn't you know i was still exercising a reasonable amount i guess but a lot less than what i usually would be with no any of the consistency i usually would be uh but i was probably you know i was probably still exercising maybe a couple of times a week uh but not you know not with the intensity or in the way that i usually would so um yeah certainly exercising less than i would usually and and yeah. i was okay with that well, it's interesting because that decline in exercise could be one of the things that actually sets you up for a bigger stress response, right? So yeah. your inability to manage stress as well as what you otherwise would um, as a result of being able to do exercise because we know, and we've spoken about this before, that when you exercise for half an hour a day, you decrease the effect of stress on your body by about 50%, right? So if it was only half an hour a day of just a moderate amount of cardiovascular exercise, you decrease the effect of stress. Now, if stress is going to affect your body and you can decrease the effect by 50% by exercising just for 30 minutes a day, then it's good to do that. However, I understand the stress that you can you can go through that just disengages you totally with what's actually going on with your life and with your health and all those sorts of things. So you, you eat less, you're exercising a little bit less. And so all of a sudden, like you said before, you went into your cave, your body kind of went into a bit of hibernation. Yeah. Now, because you didn't have that nutrient influx, you know, you weren't chowing down on mammoth fat and you weren't actually, um, you know, able to coat yourself and lather yourself in heaps of, you know, fatty foods to be able to nourish your body for that little bit of hibernation. Your body had to go in and burn up some of the fuel that you actually had stored. And your fuel sources aren't generally fat. You haven't got a lot of fat on your body anyway. So it's going to break down a fair bit of your active tissue mass, which is your muscle. And that's, I suppose, where it becomes really difficult. And that's where losing weight when it's not fat is is not ideal for your body. And this is what you've been through, Bredo. So when you yeah. lose your muscle, you then affect the way in which your body has access to carbohydrate, uh, which then basically shuts off your desire for carbohydrate fuel because you you know you're not using it. You're not going to you, 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 your muscles getting smaller. There's a, a decreased demand for fuel, um, and as a result, you cascade downwards, and you've really got to pull yourself out of it. And I suppose this is kind of almost where uh, we get into the mindset thing where Lawrence can actually get into it. But I suppose, and we'll talk about that in a second, LT. I think because if you can talk about the mindset around this and how you pull yourself out of it and how you recognise it and and I reckon, Bredo, you've probably got some tips on that too. But I think if we understand the chemistry of what's actually going on in the body, and that is that you disengaged exercise, there was a decreased requirement. You have, gave yourself a decreased amount of fuel um, and you went into your cave. So there wasn't that ability or that requirement to then go and build up to stay strong. So you just you retreated. You retreated and you took yourself out of that stressful situation. But because you took yourself out of that stressful situation and you didn't exercise, you didn't stop that stress effect on your body you didn't have that effect by decreasing the stress on your body by 50 percent. so you kept on cascading downwards um, and spiraling downwards and fortunately um, you've caught it and so you can actually make amends and so making amends is the most important thing and usually when you're coming out of these sorts of things you'll crave heaps of carbs and heaps of fats 
And the reason why we crave heaps of carbs and fats is because they're the nutrients that our adrenal glands require to manufacture certain hormones. And these hormones, again, are adrenaline and cortisol. And so, and also DHEA, Brett, you know, and LT, we talk about DHEA as well. So it is important to make sure we're getting enough fat and enough carbohydrate fuel to actually bump that up. So for Brett, because you don't do grain, you have to eat heaps of vegetables and heaps of salads and heaps of fruit. But you're also going to have heaps of fat to try and nourish your cells and nourish your body. Yeah. Yeah, I had some awesome grass-fed lamb chops this afternoon. They were fantastic. <laughs> but did, did, did you have heaps of veggies with it as well? I did. I did. I had lots of veggies too. Because the key boy, thing here would be, yeah, here's the thing, right? This is the trap that we could fall into here. And it, this is where potatoes and this is where sweet potato and all those sort of starchy sort of vegetables are going to be very important for you. Because if you go into ketosis, you're going to burn up a lot of the fuel sources that you don't actually have. And you run the risk of when you're in stress and you're not fueled up enough to, of running into ketosis. And ketosis is a really effective way of burning fat if you're overweight. But you don't have extra fat to burn, right? So <laughs> you don't want to get into ketosis because ketosis um, switches on satiation so you don't actually get hungry and you burn heaps of fuel and your brain's still alert. So you can feel really good but you're burning off heaps of fuel and you're not actually being um, anabolic. You're actually being catabolic. You're breaking down and that's not ideal. Hmm. It's interesting though, isn't it? When you're under stress and there's that whole aspect of the mindset that kind of plays in it because it, you know, you're dictated by, you know, what you think, and that's going to dictate your whole entire life. Because whether you want to eat, whether you want to exercise, whether you want to do things, hang out with friends, it just has a massive impact on your whole entire being. So I know we're kind of moving away from gaining weight to almost uh, to a mindset thing here, but it's, it is a kind of a, a weird transition. Yeah, but it's a very important thing because I mean, you know, we talked about values um, probably some time ago, and you know, the values of having a healthy lifestyle. Um, is obviously one of our top priorities, like for all of us uh, that are on the show. But sometimes when we're under stress and pressure, you know, we can only think of one thing, which is the stressor, you know, or the thing that is stressful. And yeah. when you when you're when you're thinking and on the one thing, like you know, it's almost like I contribute to almost like a, a being in a forest, like you're stuck in a forest, and the only thing you can see is trees, and you yes. can't see yourself out can't of it. See, you know what I mean? Can't see the wood. Yeah, you can't. You can't see that. You know where you got. Like you know, you have to head say one direction. You know you're gonna come out of it sooner or later. Um, but all you see is just trees after trees after trees, and you can't. Like it's almost like you can't pull yourself out um, into the sky and and be able to see through it uh, and see where you got to go and all the paths that you're gonna go through. But you actually have to go in that forest. You're gonna have to go through. Um, the uh, I guess the trials of you know getting hurt while you're in that forest or you know the hills or the trips and falls or the you know holes you're going to be stepping into <laughs> that's exactly what you're going to have to go through when you're stuck in that forest yeah and and that's pretty much exactly what happened to me LT like I had that first couple of weeks where I did as I said just retreat a little bit uh, but during that time you know what I was doing whilst I wasn't uh, eating or exercising as I had been previously what I was doing is spending a lot of time just working on you know, emotional stuff is just really working through and analyzing what had happened and why it happened and, you know, what the lessons are to be learnt from that. Um, and so that was, uh, you know, and in many ways, that's why I was so in my cave and so, you know, not wanting to get out and eat and exercise and do those things because I was just, you know, dealing with some really challenging uh, emotional stuff, um, but working really hard on that, you know, working really hard on, on getting that. Uh, and what I found was as, as I worked on that, as I started getting clearer on that, um, it allowed me to sort of, you know, open up again and sort of say, okay, you know, um, you know, get through. I mean, that was, that was a painful couple of weeks and there, there was some really, um, 
you know, some people in my life who were amazing in that period um, and who really helped me through that. Um, and, and that was a really important part of it too, was, was you know, leaning on some of those people. I should say here, uh, you know, some of the people like Kim Morrison from the Up For A Chat show was just incredible during that time. So I'm going to give a yeah. shout out to Kim. Um, yes. And actually Jane Dolivan, who's on the Love Life show that we have, was incredible during that time. And, and, yes. and a number of other people um, who, who just really helped me out throughout that time. So uh, thank you to all of those. Um, and, and what it allowed me to do was I sort of, you know, I really went deep in those first couple of weeks. That was a, that was a painful time. Uh, but it allowed me to come through that and to start to see you know, as Lawrence said, start to see see through that forest, and and I probably did trip over a few of those uh, roots on the way, LT, but that was okay. Mm. And uh, and then coming out of that was then okay. You know, I need to start nourishing my body. You know, I need to start looking after myself. Um, and so you know, so then it was okay. Well, let's get back into you know, let's start eating. You know, and uh, and I you know stopped feeling so sick, so I was actually able to eat, which was nice. Um, and and you know, and probably since then been eating you know really well still, uh, but just eating a lot more getting back into that and, and really getting back into my exercise, which I'm actually smashing into at the moment and loving it. And as Damo said, such a good way to help switch off the stress response in the body um, and has been very, very useful. Well, one of the things that was really important, that you came, I'm glad you came out of your cave and um, start <laughs> hunting again. And, yeah. uh, but the thing is, is that a lot of people uh, don't have the support system. And we've done this podcast before where you know, we yeah. said you need to find those network of people where you can call on, rely on. Um, because it's so important to have those people to, to, you know, when you're in that cave, like you don't want to talk to anybody and you yeah. want to have that trust and to be able to, you know, have someone to be able to talk to, to get you out of that cave, you know, just to see the sunlight once in a while. But and, you yeah, know, what ahead. was probably actually the most transformational experience for me was actually the wellness summit. Um, mm. actually being on that day with all of those people, particularly, you know, you guys and, and all the speakers on the stage. Um, and it was incredible, you know, hearing some of those talks and, and, and a lot of the content from those talks I'd heard before because I've heard all those speakers before, uh, but hearing it with completely new ears in a completely different scenario. And, uh, and the amount I learnt about myself on that day um, and just the environment of being surrounded by all of you guys who were just so incredibly supportive, um, even though Lawrence made me cry right before I went on stage. <laughs> but, but no, being in that environment was, uh, was just phenomenal and, and was probably the, the absolute best thing I could ever have done. It was, it was, it, that, that day was probably the day the tide started to turn for me, I would say. Oh, that's mm. nice. That's nice. Lawrence always makes me cry. <laughs> he does it all the time. Hey, um, let's just, let's get back onto the weight gain thing because I think that's really important. So, uh, because there are other people out there that are, that are listening to this and going, "Yeah, but how do we put this weight back on?" You know. So Brett's got yeah, Brett's good. already doing healthy food, right? So for Brett, what he's got to do, he's got to exercise hard. It's really important because yeah. now what he's got to do is stress his muscles. He's got to create some tension tear the muscles and then repair them and that's the way he's going to get hypertrophy he's actually going to grow stronger again and he's going to do um, he's going to do really really well and get lean he might actually be more ripped after this event than what he was prior to the event so it could be a blessing in disguise Bruno he might be hotter than what it used to be so that it'll look be, out yeah, look out watch out Radelaide it's already happening Damo because what you're, what you're describing is exactly what I've been doing I was like okay I've got to get this appetite back I thought well the best way to get this appetite back is just to go nuts in the gym and just to get into it and start really going hard and working out hard, which obviously felt great as well. And uh, yeah, as you said, the benefit of that is that because I've leaned down so much, is that every little bit shows, and it's like, hey, that's a pretty you know good positive reinforcement for the exercise, which is nice. Yeah, yeah maybe absolutely. there'll be a second and, chiropractor on the Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> maybe your mirror isn't broken, so that's <laughs> now, um, or maybe it is. And uh, so, so the other thing is, there'll be people out there that can't lose weight, but they're eating unhealthy food. 
And this is where I found myself back in 1992, right? So back in 92, I was losing weight, really skinny. I think at the age of 18, I was weighing about 67 kilos, right? So I was lighter than Lawrence is right now, at you know, but at 18 years old. So that's that's really light, you know? And for me, I remember that because my fighting weight, my ideal weight's around 78, 79. That's kind of where I, I feel good, you know, and maybe probably now 76, 77, 78. If I get to 80, I'd be really happy, but I'd never, ever get there for long. So that's just one of my measures, and I feel good. I feel strong, all that sort of stuff. But I was eating strawberry donuts, drinking strawberry Big M's. I was having rice bubbles with sugar um, and full cream milk. I was having the fatty cuts of meat with pasta on top and a bag of snakes every single day. Nice. I was having pizzas. <laughs> I was having burgers. I was having maccas. I was stuck into fish and chips. You know, I wasn't minding my FNCs. I was all over the place. I was just having bad food and I wasn't doing a good job. I was having Chico rolls and potato cakes and, and chips. You know, everything that you could possibly eat that was bad, I was doing it, but I wasn't putting on weight. And so what actually happens there is when you get malnourished, you'll actually also lose weight. So you can have so much calorie going into your body with such poor nutrition that your body becomes malnourished. Now, in the long term, for people with the genetic predisposition, they'll bulk up and put on lots of fat and they'll soak up all that triglyceride that their body's forming from all that carbohydrate fuel and they'll, they'll pack it away and they'll store it as fat. And so that'll build up their fat cells. They'll get all plump and get a little bit round. And we can see that with 70% of the population right now. 70% of the population have put on their weight uh, from excess carbohydrate primarily. The rest of the poor buggers out there who can't put on weight from eating bad food, usually it's because you've actually got some degree of malabsorption. And that malabsorption is caused by fructose malabsorption, so poor bugs, not enough good bacteria in the gut, um, poor digestive enzyme secretion, that could be because of stress, um, or it could in fact be an allergy to the food that you're eating. For example, celiac, um, who have a sensitivity or a, a gluten allergy, uh, will find it very, very difficult to put on weight while they're eating gluten because they flatten all of the villi of their intestines, which means they can't absorb. They actually decrease the surface area of their intestines, which decreases their body's ability to absorb the nutrients that they'd require to build up their body and repair it. So they lose weight, get sarcopenic, and all also going to catabolism, which is what Brett's gone through. But they're doing it the unhealthy way, and Brett, fortunately, eats healthily, so he'll be able to bounce back. So the point is, if you're eating a whole lot of crappy food and you're losing weight, you're actually doing your body a massive disservice, yeah. probably a bigger disservice to your body than someone who's eating a heap of crappy food and putting on weight because at least their body's absorbing still. They're just packing it away and saving it for a rainy day. But if you're losing weight and you're eating crappy food, that's potentially a, a really bad place to be. Like you're actually setting up a whole lot of disease processes in in your body, which you need to get on top of. Yeah. What about? And it's really tempting. I've got to say, Damo. Like when you when you're actually losing weight and you're feeling really stressed and you're feeling you know ordinary, and you're thinking, well, I'm losing weight anyway. I may as well just eat crap. And you know, <laughs> there is that temptation there to think, well, hey, it doesn't matter anyway. I may as well eat crap. But as you've just explained, it when you actually sit down and think about it logically, it doesn't make sense and it's not doing you any favours. Um, yeah. And it's actually going to make you feel worse. Um, and the other thing I was going to ask you about, Damo, is what about sort of the skinny fat people? Because there are certainly people out there who uh, appear to be skinny but actually have a lot of fat on the inside too because they've been eating an unhealthy diet and maintaining a skinny weight. Yeah, the skinny fats. The skinny fats, um, we see a lot of people on television who are skinny fat. You know, They don't necessarily exercise, but they look really good in jeans and clothes. But you know, get their clothes off and they've kind of lost that shape and form and they're a bit saggy. That's called sarcopenia. 
And uh, and sarcopenia is a bad situation. It's where you've lost muscle and you've substituted that same sort of um, mass size or weight with fat. And uh, we see this a lot in people with uh, injured backs. And you guys would have seen this. You know when you've done an MRI on someone with a, a disc prolapse hmm. and uh, you see all that fatty tissue in around the multivitis, which is the muscle in around the spine? Mm-hmm. That's, yep. that's sarcopenia. So they've lost muscle and now they've got fat replacing the tissue space of where the muscle should have been. And that's a very, very dangerous situation. It's a pre-diabetic situation. It's a very weak muscle situation and uh, can raise and increase various diseases. And, and we see links to that with all kinds of glycemic challenges with people. So where they can't manage blood sugar, so diabetes, um, heart disease, and, uh, and actually some kinds of cancers too. So you've got to be mindful that if you're losing weight um, and you're eating bad food that you're setting up, one of three different diseases, much the same as someone who's um, really done a bad job with their food for a long period of time. Would you speak? What, what about those people who are like just naturally skinny? Well, I'm sorry, quote unquote, naturally skinny, and they actually want to gain weight, but no matter what they eat, they just can't gain any weight. You know, those is is that what you you know what you talked about? That there yeah. might be a malabsorption problem. It's it's often a malabsorption problem. You can also ask questions around that. So you got you got to consider bloating. You got to consider uh, digestion. So burping. Um, you got to look at the bowel motions too, because quite often a lot of these people who uh, can't actually put on weight have really irregular bowel motions. In fact, they could be quite unformed, um, or they might go from being unformed one day and then three days later they're totally fully hardcore constipated and so we're talking massive irregularities in gastrointestinal function there so Mm. there's an indicator there of malabsorption it could be fructose so we're talking about fruit sugars um that you know onions garlic fruit sugars uh fructan that's not gluten that's actually another protein that's actually found that's in wheat fructan um or it could be gluten i'm really starting to see this in kids um, like, you know, in my daughter's class, for example, or just in the school, you can sort of tell like there's these kids are, you know, some kids are overweight naturally from, you know, the, from the food that they're eating, but there's also kids who don't eat any veggies. Like, you know, we all know those don't eat any veggies and the only thing they eat is sort of, you know, carbs type of food. They don't eat a lot, but you can really see it in their face. You can see it in their body. They're toothpick thin. And um, you can just tell they're not as healthy as they can be because they just refuse to eat or for whatever reason, right? I'm sure there's a lot of background stuff going on there. We're talking, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old here. Is that, do you, would you typically, you know, think from a malabsorption problem in those circumstances, a similar situation? Yeah, I would, mate. I would, absolutely. And we see that with kids a lot. You know, they're very selective in their food. They have a very limited intake of different vegetables, very, very limited intake of the types of grains that they eat. Uh, And many of them just really eat one type of grain, and that's wheat. Mm. You know, for breakfast, it's Mm. wheat bix. They'll have saladas for morning tea. They'll have a sandwich at lunchtime with a spread in it. They'll get home, have some biscuits for afternoon tea. They'll have some pasta for dinner and head off to bed after having some ice cream. And, um, And their diet... You know, generally doesn't support healthy growth, and uh, so they'll still grow tall, and they may actually, you know, get some muscles out of that food because there'll be a little bit of protein in there. But you're not building good quality stuff, and and these kids um, really struggle to thrive. Yeah, you can see them struggling through in class, like they they're learning energy, their their hair is really, you know, just not you know healthy looking um and and unfortunately that affects their um ability to learn and absorb things in school which is you know a terrible thing and and definitely comes back to the malnourishment you spoke about before doesn't it damo like they're they're just literally not getting a lot of the nutrients they need Mm -hmm. yeah 
That's right. That's right. There's, you know, it's interesting because we used to find that the uh, the malnourished ones were in fact the ones who were really skinny in the old days, um, and there was a lot more of those people. You know, we, we think about you think about the movies like, such as Oliver, and you think back to those poor little kids that only got fed porridge, right? And you kind of mm. go, oh, that's very very sad. Um, they were poor. They were malnourished. It's interesting now because we, what we tend to find a different type of malnourishment is the obesity thing uh, for the bulk of the population, but there is still that fraction of people who malabsorb as a result of, the, of their diet, and that is also malnourishment. Oh. Okay, it's a great episode here. Let's do a quick summary. So if, we were, if you were to gain weight like Brett yes. needed to do, what are the three things you need to do and how, did you, how would you start? He's got to exercise hardcore and he's got to increase his calorie intake by probably almost double. He's got to eat heaps. And, but the, one, the key thing he's got to do is eat more carbohydrate fuel. So he's got to have a heap of carbs from his vegetables, and then he's got to have a heap of protein and a heap of fat. Bearing in mind that the body, the human body, is probably going to deal with around about 140 grams of total protein per day anyway, right? So that's just I'm just being very blanket there, and, and everyone's going to be slightly different. But in terms of total protein, we're talking there, you know, what's that close to about? Oh, I should I should have done my maths before I actually said that. <laughs> it's probably about one and a half kilos of total mass. You know what I mean? So it's quite a lot because you're talking about twenty to twenty five percent protein. That's what we're talking about. Uh, and then a heap of fat. He's got to get lots of good fats in there because he needs support for his adrenal glands because he got burned out because he got so stressed. So mm. he's got to get fat into his body so that he can set his adrenal glands up for success rather than for failure. And then he'll be able to you know maintain and increase his muscle mass again. Yeah, and I reckon you're spot on there, Damo. And I reckon, particularly for my body, I think the fat is really important because I tend to be much more of a fat burner nowadays because of the way I've sort of modulated my diet and stuff. And so, you know, I find I do really well on on a higher fat diet and not necessarily needing a huge amount of carbs. And so, and that's the way I've changed my diet. Uh, oh, sorry, that's why I've been eating at the moment and, and it's definitely really working and getting back on track, which is nice. Well, guys, that's been a great episode. So go to thewellnesscouch.com. We'll love to you know, hear your thoughts on this particular topic. Um, but actually, go to our Facebook page. That's probably the best way to communicate with us and tell us, your, you know, have you had troubles gaining weight? And uh, if you did have troubles, you know, what, what were some of the things you tried? So we'd love to hear from you. Um, as always, go to wellnesscouch.com always and make sure you go to iTunes because we'd love for you to subscribe to this particular um, podcast of The Wellness Guys and also the other podcasts that are around. But if you have a friend or family member that would, you know, you think that will enjoy this type of material, please tell them about it because, uh, you know, hey, we're trying to spread the message of wellness. And uh, like always, Damien loves his five-star rating. Five so, stars. Yeah, five stars only. <laughs> Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Damien Christoph from 100 Not Out here. Wow, what a wellness summit we had in Melbourne. 600 people filled the Crown Conference Centre to listen to Cindy O'Meara and her Up For A Chat colleagues, David Gillespie, Ron Ehrlich, Nicole Bilgema and the Wellness Guys, of course. And guess what? We recorded every single minute of it. That's right. You can see nine world-class speakers with over seven hours of footage in the comfort of your own home. How cool is that? The best news is, until midnight Saturday the 7th, September 2013, this pack is just $147. Then it'll go to $197. So to pre-order your Wellness Summit Home Study Program for just $147, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com and click on Shop. 
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.